time, weather, and highways. Hey everybody, welcome to Road Trip Radio. Before we begin today, a little safety announcement. If your shoes are untied, make sure you tie up those laces. And for all my dads out there wearing sandals, put some socks on. This is the show for all the families who are seeking adventure, quality family time, and who are putting off cutting the lawn for one more day. I'm Pat Kelly. And I'm Caitlin Howden. This is the Quebec episode of Road Trip Radio. Well, then I guess it would be called Radio sur la route. Today we're going to endeavor to go beyond my personal language barrier and celebrate Caitlin's bilingual proficiency. Uh, bon, Pat, merci. C'est vrai. Moi, je peux parler en français un peu. Uh, je viens de Montréal. Moi, j'adore la langue française. J'adore la culture. Française, mais pour cet épisode, I'm going to be speaking in English because I just don't want to insult any francophone listeners with my anglophone French. So instead, we are going to speak to Peter Oldring. He's our roving reporter and he is currently in Quebec. We'll be joining him by phone actually right now. Bonjour, Peter. Ah, yes. Bonjour, mon ami. Uh, you are correct. I am in La Belle Provence. <laughs> I'm uh, currently at Mont Tremblant, uh, where uh, I can't help but think this would be a spectacular place to ski, uh, Caitlin. Yes, it's it's a wonderful place to ski. Why are you there in the summer? Well, yes. Uh, I actually had a few points uh, that I had earned uh, that uh, I wanted to redeem uh, for travel. Uh, that uh, with all the blackout dates, <laughs> this was really uh, the only time I could redeem those points uh, and to come to enjoy Mont Tremblant uh, in the summer. Uh, so which airline did you fly to get into uh, Quebec? Uh, no, 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 not, not, uh, not airline points. Uh, these are bus points. I'm a frequent bus traveler, so I uh, rack up a ton of bus points and I uh, got to take the bus here at 70% off ticket price. You love the bus, don't you? No, no, I really don't. Uh, I mean, who would? Uh, but uh, I had those points uh, burning a hole in my wallet. Well, uh, I'm glad you're enjoying Quebec. Peut-être vous allez prendre un peu de poutine. Um, that is a lot of what I'm hearing uh, here. All right, Pete, we'll let you get settled in and we'll check in with you in a little bit. Au revoir. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Bon fait. Also on the show today, we talk to the only woman to ever play a game of hockey in the NHL. We learn about Montreal's famous street art scene, and we take a Quebec quiz. But first, here's a little bit about a place we like to call Quebec. Quebec City is the oldest continuously occupied city in North America. The trick to making it to over 400 years old? Stay occupied. Musée de l'Amérique francophone in Quebec City is Canada's oldest museum. It's been boring teenagers for over 300 years. <sighs> One of North America's earliest breweries is in Montreal, and it still stands on its original site. Legend has it, on a quiet night, you can still hear the ghost of brewmaster John Molson burp. <sighs> And finally, the first indoor hockey game took place in 1875 at the Victoria Skating Rink in Montreal. This was back when players only wore visors but no helmets. Old-time hockey. And that's a little bit about the place we like to call Quebec. This Friday... 
Road Trip Radio introduces a new teen drama from the makers of The Locker and Hand Holders High. Um, hey Tyler, do you want to have lunch with me in the food court? Uh, I can't. I got basketball practice, so... Oh, okay, no problem. See you later. See you later. It's the show where the stakes couldn't be lower. Hey, did you ask my girlfriend to go to prom with you? Uh, yeah, I did. And that's because I was wearing the wrong glasses, so I asked the wrong girl. I apologize. Apology accepted. Uh, okay. Have a great day. You too. And the drama never really happens. Hey, Madison. Oh, hey, Jordan. How are things? Good. How are things with you? Yeah, real good. How are things with you? Um, you already asked me that. Oh, yeah, true. I did. Good. Road Trip Radio presents The Mall. Because every boring teen needs a place where they can be boring. Hey, did you guys check out that sale at the hand locker? I did. I didn't. You should. They're having a sale right now, Steve. It's BOGO on wristbands. Any color? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not... Maybe. This Friday night, prepare to fall asleep early. Okay, so Esme was talking to Isabella, and Isabella hey was guys. like, hey, do you want to start a new spin-off show called The Mall, The Next Generation? Yeah, yeah. that's a good idea. That's such a good idea. We should totally do that. It's The Mall. Listen this Friday on Road Trip Radio. And now, In Conversation. I think we all know who Manon Riom is, and if you don't, well, it's time to listen up. She's won two IIHF gold medals with Team Canada and an Olympic silver medal. She's also the only woman to ever play in the NHL. She wrote a book about her life that's being turned into a movie, and she is our guest on Road Trip Radio. Hello, Manon. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. So first off, let's talk a little bit about what it was like uh, growing up in Quebec and and being a female goalie. Uh, Growing up in Quebec, obviously, I I had two brothers, and uh, my dad was really involved uh, in hockey. So I basically grew up on an ice rink uh, in my backyard. My dad used to put together an ice rink with the lines and the boards and the lights at night. So a whole neighborhood was coming and play hockey in our backyard. Now, did you grow up uh, right away when you started playing competitive hockey, playing against boys, or was that something that evolved over time? Back then, uh, no girls were playing hockey, so it was only boys hockey. Actually, when I started to play with my brothers at home, I was not playing at the rink because uh, it was only boys. So, But one day, my dad was a coach, and he needed a goalie, and I was always uh, being the goalie for my brothers at home. So I suggest to be his goalie, and I First, he was not sure how it would be perceived from the other players and the parents, so he was not sure about it. But after that, he brought me to the rink, and uh, I remember that first time he put my full equipment and the helmet on, so he wanted to make sure that people didn't know I was a girl, and they would judge me because of my skills and not my um, gender. So uh, I remember people being excited to finally have a goalie there, and when they realized it was a girl, so it was a lot easier to be accepted. Well, your list of accomplishments playing goal uh, are crazy. I mean, uh, you've done so much for hockey and for uh, female hockey uh, specifically. Tell me a little bit about what it was like to win two IIHF gold medals and a silver medal at the Olympics. 
it was an amazing experience. You know, anytime you have a chance to put the jersey of your country and represent your country, it's more than just playing a hockey game. Like you're almost like you you're you're playing for the entire country and you feel the entire country behind you. So it, it's a really uh, amazing emotional um, event for the players and and to be successful in Windows event, um, it, it was just awesome. Now, the perhaps your most notable accomplishment uh, is uh, being the only female goalie to ever, ever play in an NHL preseason game. Do you still think about that day a lot? Of course. I, I don't think I'm never not going to think about it. Uh, when I went to Tampa Bay, my life absolutely changed, and I, I got to experience so many different things. And, and the most important, I was able to make a living uh, in the sports that I absolutely love. It's great. Okay, so that game that you played was with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I, I, I understand if you're going to say that's your favorite NHL team, but I'm curious, are they? <laughs> you know what? I always going to have something for the Tampa Bay Lightning for sure. Um, back when my brother was playing in the NHL, um, whatever team he was on, that was a team I was supporting. And now, if my son end up uh, being drafted and play on a team, that'll become my my new team. <laughs> okay, so for now we'll go with my team. You're an Edmonton Oilers fan. Great. Okay, moving on. <laughs> so you wrote a book about your life and now it is being turned into a movie. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Yes, someone approached me to develop a, a story about my my story. And uh, she, uh, the person in Gibalero that approached me, she wanted her next film to be... Um, a movie that would uh, affect people that would be very positive um, and also uh, having a female lead actress. And the the amazing thing is she's going to be the one playing myself and we're kind of look like. <laughs> and so the first time she met with me, I look at her and it was kind of scary and that we're looking at each other and, and a lot of things we do, a lot of way we think, um, we're a lot like, and it was really, really um, interesting to be working on that the last few years, and it's getting close to be produced now, and um, so I'm excited to see what's coming up next. So although an <clears throat> an actor will be playing you in the movie, you're going to do all your own stunts, right, in the crease? <laughs> we'll see. I've been working with her to try to get her better because she's just so determined to do everything, but we'll see if we're going to need to do uh, some doubling or not when we get closer. Well, we uh, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us, and uh, we hope that uh, you know you continue to encourage uh, young girls and boys to uh, to play hockey and uh, become one day maybe uh, as accomplished as you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being on the program. You're welcome. This is you doing quizzes on the open road with us, Sophia and Zoe. Whales, tall tales, spuds, and buds. Let's hit the road. You want to go? Go. Let's go. All right. Okay. Cool. Fine. Let's hit the road. Yeah. Bring, bring. Bring, bring. Okay. Got it out. <laughs> Hello. I bet you can't guess where I am right now. No, I can't. Tell me. Wouldn't you rather try to guess? Not really. 
but okay, fine. Ottawa? Not a lot. Is that some kind of a joke? <laughs> nope. Ottawa and Ottawa are both places in Ontario. But you probably already knew the Ottawa part. Wait, you're not in Ottawa and you're not in Ottawa. We're in the same room. <laughs> Let's just talk face to face. Fine. Okay, let's play a game. I'm going to name a few towns and cities across eastern Canada, and some of them will be made up and some will be real. And you've got to guess which one's which. Lay it on me, Zoe. Quiz it. Quiz it. All right, here's the first pair. Which of these two is the name of a real town in Quebec? One, St. Louis de Haha. <laughs> or two, St. Louis de Ho Ho Ho. Did you guess? If you guessed St. Louis de Ha Ha, you're right. It's the only town name in the world that has two exclamation marks in it. They come after ha and ha. Okay, these towns are in Ontario or nowhere at all. Ha, 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 ha. Can you spot the fake? They are one, Old Woman Bay. Sounds friendly. Two, Grandma's Meatloaf. Sounds tasty. And three, Old Man's Pocket. Don't want to go in there. Sounds jingly. <laughs> if you thought Grandma's Meatloaf was right... You're wrong. It may be tasty, but it's not a town name in Ontario. Both Old Moan Bay and Old Man's Pocket are real Ontario towns. Your turn. Okay. The following list contains town names in Prince Edward Island. Try to spot the phony. 1. Pantaloon PEI. 2. Cardigan PEI. And 3. Shirt Sleeve Bay PEI. They all sound so chic. The correct answer is cardigan. Don't forget to layer. Okay, now it's up to me. Which of these food and drink-themed places in Nova Scotia are real? One, Coffee Cove. Two, Meat Cove. And three, Sugarloaf. Oh, I don't know, but it's beginning to sound like a three-course meal. Tell me. Chef, may I? Okay, this was a bit of a trick question. They're all real places. Even Meat Cove. Okay, I'll believe it when I eat it. I mean see it. <laughs> okay, well, here's one for you. Which of these is a real place in New Brunswick? Is it one, Crow's Nest? Two, Moose Grotto? Or three, Beaver Dam? Which habitat to you sounds the most inviting? Well, if you said Beaver Dam, you would have been right. Get it? Yeah, I get it. You would have been right. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So where are we off to next? Punky Doodles Corner, Ontario? I don't know if that's a real place. Oh, it is real, all right. Okay, let's go. We are back with more Road Trip Radio. I'm Caitlin Howden, and I'm here with my co-host, Pat Kelly. And today we are exploring all things Quebec. You know, Pat, so far you've done a really good job at skirting the use of French, and you haven't given me the ability to show off my French. Ah, merci. So why don't we um, okay, take you, a little bit of no, time no, no, now Pat, to No, no, Pat, what I'm saying is that I think we should play a game. I list some French words, and you try and tell me what you think they are. Ah, c'est bon. Okay. What is un ordinateur? Mm, uh, uh, that's a computer. Oh, 
Oh, very good. Okay, great. Um, une voiture. Une voiture. Okay, that would be uh, similar to l'automobus. So it would be, it's mode of transportation. I'm thinking that's a car. Yes, very good. Very good. Um, uh, I got one for oh. me. Uh, pantalon, pants. It's not how the yes, game works. Uh, la bibliothèque, that's the library, of course. Uh, les yeux, eyes. Look at my eyes. Uh, you've got c'est la vie. Uh, live your life. It's too short to wallow. Um, what else do I know? Of course, there's le chien dans la tête. So uh, that's, I know it sounds crazy, but that's your dog head. Um, What's it? Okay. You know what? This uh, game has gotten out of control. Uh, Pat, congratulations. You, you did great. Con- you're completely bilingual and... Um, I think you are an honorary francophone at this point. Merci beaucoup. Actually, you know what? Now's a great time to check in with Peter Oldring, our roving reporter, who is currently up in Mont-Tremblant. Peter, are you there? Oh, uh, yes, you are uh, speaking to Peter. And I'm uh, very happy to report to you, Caitlin, that uh, I'm having a wonderful time here uh, in Mont-Tremblant after what was a a bit of a rocky start, really. Uh, I did have a a bit of a run-in at the beginning of the trip. Uh, Somebody who sold me a pretty good deal on some summertime ski lift tickets, uh, only for me to discover, of course, there is no summer skiing. So although it was a good deal, I I really wish I hadn't hadn't bought those uh, and then rented the skis and and then bought that one-piece descent ski outfit. But regardless, that's behind me. Uh, clearly a misunderstanding, uh, but it has given me the opportunity to do something else that I have always dreamt of doing. Is it going for a hike? Uh, no, that's still uh, on the bucket list. Uh, but what this is, is I am taking a falconry course. Now, that's where you work with an actual falcon? It is. I have an eight-pound peregrine falcon on my left outstretched arm right now. Ow, 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 ow. Is he supposed to be doing this? Ow, 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 Ooh, okay, he's just there. Uh, okay, no, it's fine. He just, uh, he was, uh, must have gotten startled. He kind of uh, clamped down a little bit on my arm. Arm, 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 Ow, ow, ow. Ask for help. Say, j'ai besoin d'aide. Speak to them in French. Say, besoin d'aide. besoin d'aide. Okay, he's gone. Oh, he's gone. Okay, the bird's gone. I need to get some polysporin here. Um, how do you say polysporin? I'll say... Say polysporin. Uh, it's the same thing. Polysporin. Okay, you know what? We're going to let you go, okay? You be careful. Good stuff. Just in time for the... Montreal is a city filled with arts and culture, but some of the city's best art isn't in the museums or galleries, it's in the alleys, under highways, or on the sides of abandoned buildings. Road Trip Radio correspondent Callie Anderson takes us inside the underground world of Montreal's graffiti and street art scene. So see where it's like dark over there? Under the overpass. Yeah, I want to find a bit of a strategic way to go in so we don't look too suspicious. I'm getting kind of nervous. It's okay, so am I. If you get caught like on a Friday night, they're like, well, we're bringing you in and you're spending the weekend in jail until you can see the judge on Monday. So that's always, that's always just at the back of my mind. It's like, okay, that has to be avoided at all costs. Should I send a message to my children now? You should tell them whatever you have to say, yeah, now, because if you have to make a one phone call, you might have to call a lawyer, so I don't know.
That guy shaking the spray paint can is Rage Five, a Montreal graffiti artist. He gets to work, outlining six-foot-tall letters in spray paint on the concrete. The traffic on Montreal's Highway 20 flies by only a few feet over our heads. I keep an eye out for the police, because I agree that spending a weekend in jail is something we should try to avoid. This is my first time hanging out under an overpass on a Friday night, but Rage 5 has been doing this kind of thing for years. He got his start painting under the 20 as a teenager in the late 90s. In the light of day, he takes me to one of the places where he learned to paint. It was called the TA Wall, and it was less than a kilometer away from our late night painting spot. But when we get there, all I see is a pile of rubble and a brand new highway running overhead. We're at the Tricot Interchange, which is currently being torn down and rebuilt. Uh, it's where Highway 20 and the 15 both kind of intersect. And uh, it used to be a bit of a graffiti mecca and kind of uh, is starting to not be that anymore. Sterling Downey meets us down there. How you doing, man? Good, good to see you. Very good, forever. Yeah, very long time. He's a veteran Montreal graffiti writer whose graffiti crew founded the TA Wall back in the early 90s. You gonna go show me where this wall, is it totally gone? Yeah, it's totally gone. We climb over a pile of broken concrete, looking for the exact spot where the TA Wall used to be. The wall would have been like about, I don't know, about 20 feet in. Mm -hmm. It was really a, a, it was like a wall of fame just for the community. You'd actually have to invest in finding it, crawl through a hole in a fence, come to an area that you might be a little nervous about, and when you come through the bushes and all of a sudden it's, <laughs> it's like, you know, the ark. You know, but, th but that's what it was. That's kind of what the feeling was. But I have to admit that I'm glad it's gone. I'm glad the wall's gone. What's important is, is that every generation finds their own Raiders Venture Hall of Fame or their own location. Every crew should have their own place, their own identity, their own, their own contribution to the graffiti culture in the city. And our generation had Red Pass Sugar Refinery, which was huge. We had the Stinky Factory, we had the TA Wall, and that's what graffiti is. It's you find a place that matters, and I have enormous respect for the guys and the girls that are doing what they're doing today and pushing the culture because they're keeping it alive. I won't be able to understand it because it's not my version, but they'll have their thing. Later that day, I get a chance to meet some women who are part of a new generation of street artists in Montreal. So, um, my name is Cam, and I'm a street artist in, in Montreal. I identify as uh, Métis, Inu, and French. I'm Swarm. Um, I'm a street artist. I mainly do wheat paste, where you make your own glue, and you take your paper pieces, and you glue them to anything in the street, from like a cinder block, a wall, a billboard. Why do you think it's important to have your work in the street? It makes me feel safe when I'm walking around to see my existence somewhere. Like, it kind of makes me feel like I'm actually real. Um, like I actually exist. We walk north from a neighborhood called Mile End, under the train bridge, and down some streets lined with a mixture of old warehouses and brand new condos. Cam points out a wheat paste that is starting to peel off the side of a building. It's a work by her friend Zola, and it features a painting of Cam and her partner crouching down with their hands clasped together. Cam says she loves coming across these pieces in the city. It's an honor for me too that she wants to work with me and being like a muse. And what do either of you say to sort of people who say, it's fine if you get permission, but you shouldn't put art in places where you don't have permission, that you should, you're vandalizing. What, what, how do you respond to that kind of perspective? 
don't tell me what to do. Yeah, exactly. Don't tell me what to do. But also, I think people more often forget about the fact that Montreal is an unceded indigenous land. So people need to know that, especially um, indigenous people, they have the right to um, do street art on their own territory. Cam says street art should be for everyone. I mean, yeah, everyone will can do it. And you're just going to feel like more powerful after that and, and fierce and like, don't tell your parents. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't tell your parents. Just go and and like just be safe for real. But my parents still don't know. <laughs> it's been like four years, five years. They still don't know. For Cam, street art isn't just about breaking the rules. It's about finding a crew you trust and a way to express yourself on your own terms. It's okay to have your little, like, secret garden. It's fun. Mm-hmm. For Road Trip Radio, I'm Callie Anderson in Montreal. To see some photos of this amazing street art, head to our Instagram account at Road Trip Radio. Road Trip Radio Community Calendar! It's now time for the Quebec Community Calendar brought to you by these crazy kids. Yeah! A warning, only one of these events is real and it's up to you to decide which one it is. In celebration of Canada 150, a fleet of 40 tall ships will be in Quebec City from July 18th to 23rd. How tall are these ships? These are the basketball players of ships. Next month are the lazy days of summer in Quebec. No planning is required. All you have to do is be lazy. All summer long, tourists are invited to visit Quebec's famous ice hotel and swim in it. And that's the Road Trip Radio community calendar brought to you by these crazy community kids. Road Trip Radio is made possible by our sponsors. Neil's Diamond Rings, Ding Dong Donuts, and Agro's Spa and Wellness Cage. Feeling stressed? Overwhelmed by the daily grind? It's time to escape the rat race and drop by Agro's Spa and Wellness Cage for some epic rejuvenation! At Agro's, we take your well-being seriously. And our highly trained team of agro commandos won't rest until they get results. Let one of our registered massage therapists beat the crud out of your stress. Unwind in one of our extreme hot tubs where the water is so soothing your troubles will literally melt away. Feeling extra anxious? Follow your nose to the aromatherapy hole. And if you're super hardcore about reclaiming a sense of tranquility, try your luck in our brand new state-of-the-art relaxation octagon. It's crazy! No matter how worn down you are, Agro Spa and Wellness Cage will push your body to the limits of comfort! So what are you waiting for? Get aggro and relax! You're listening to Road Trip Radio. What you are about to hear is true. These events occurred a few years ago in the Canadian wilderness. Some names have been changed to protect the innocent and the guilty. 
Last time on the Spaghetti Bandit. The bandit managed to elude a search that expanded to police dogs and helicopters, but his luck was about to run aground. I'm Grant Lawrence, and this is the final chapter of the Spaghetti Bandit. Chapter 10. The Capture. A local farmer named Francois peered out his kitchen window as a fog settled onto the water. Fall was coming. The days were getting short, the dew was thick, and the air was cool. Francois squinted into the fog, wondering if he was seeing things. Entering the narrows was a man in a yellow kayak. Miguel! Francois called out to his tough, no-nonsense farmhand. Yellow kayak! That must be the spaghetti bandit. Grab the skiff and go get him. Bring him in here. Miguel hurried to the dock, hopped into the aluminum skiff, and fired up the outboard motor. He roared into the narrows towards the kayaker, who maintained a steady stroke and didn't react to the sound of the engine. Miguel circled the kayaker and yelled at him to redirect his course into the dock, pointing to Francois. The kayaker did what he was told without protest or emotion. When the yellow kayak thumped lightly against the dock, Francois was shocked at the condition of the human being in front of him. Skin and bones, extremely malnourished, eyes sunken into his skull, cheeks hollow, fingernails long, curved, and black, dark hair, stringy, matted. He was maybe 100 pounds. The spaghetti bandit was starving. Miguel and Francois helped him out of the kayak. He was frail like an old man, but he was probably only in his early 30s. They brought him inside and sat him down. You've upset a lot of people around here, Francois told him. The cops want you. First Nations want you. The cottagers want you. I know, the spaghetti bandit answered quietly, almost in a rasp. My adventure is over. Francois took pity on the reeking, living skeleton in front of him. He grilled him up a steak and set it down in front of him. Eat. The bandit picked up the cutlery and dug in and then stopped. Your knife is dull, he said. And then, from some unseen pocket, the bandit unsheathed a huge, gleaming buck knife. It sliced right through the steak. Francois tensed up and glanced at Miguel. They should have frisked him. Between mouthfuls, the bandit quietly explained that he had found an old trapper's cabin up the river, that he had been surviving on berries and roots. He mentioned that it was time for him to return to work in the oil fields of Fort Mac. He spoke of going east, that he had been surviving in the bush for over a year. Francois was surprised at how mild-mannered this wanted man was. He didn't seem that crazy. Look, you can sleep in my trailer tonight, okay? said Francois. But then he lowered his voice and leaned in towards the bandit, who was still gripping his buck knife. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to give you one chance to get the hell out of this whole area and to never come back here. Do you understand me? The distant, sunken, bloodshot eyes of the spaghetti bandit slowly looked up. He nodded. 
My adventure is over, he repeated. When Francois woke the next morning, the spaghetti bandit and the yellow kayak were gone. No one has ever seen that kayak or that man again. No one knew where he came from or what his name was. No one knew anything about him. Maybe he's still out there somewhere. Maybe he was a ghost. But that ghost stole thousands of dollars worth of food and property, and he still barely made it out alive. But he got away. The one thing we know for sure is that no one in this pocket of the Canadian wilderness will ever forget the true story of the Spaghetti Bandit. I'm Grant Lawrence. Thanks for listening. This was the last episode of the Spaghetti Bandit series. If you'd like to hear it from the beginning, head to our BC episode. Well, we're almost running out of time here on our Quebec episode of Road Trip Radio. Uh, Before we go, though, Caitlin, I think it's important to snag a bit of food here from Quebec. That's a great idea. You know, Montreal has some real iconic foods. So uh, I know I'm going to want to bring some stuff home. Uh, I'm going to definitely take some smoked meat home with me. That's a great idea. I'm for sure going to bring some boiled, then wood-ovened bagels. Absolutely. And if I could borrow your backpack, I've got a backpack, so that's two backpacks. Uh I'd like to take two backpacks full of poutine. Ooh, that's going to really ruin my backpack. Sure thing, Pat. Well, before we go, let's check in one last time with Peter Oldring, our roving reporter currently in Mont-Tremblant. Last we spoke to him, he had acquired a falcon, and I know I'm worried for him. Hello, Peter. Yes, yes. Uh, Thank you, Caitlin, and and nice to hear you. I'm doing much better now that I've actually been stabilized. Oh. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. This is a good thing. Yes, of course. I I had a small portion of my forearm skin removed uh, by the falcon. Uh, it was my bad entirely. Didn't have the glove on. Didn't realize that's what I needed to put on first. Uh, regardless, I have had a successful skin graft, uh, and I have to thank the very good people here at St. Mike's in Mont-Tremblant. You know, uh, Peter, there's a saying in, in Quebec, and it says... Si vous êtes pas un oiseau, jouez pas avec des oiseaux. <laughs> okay, well, I, I wish I had known that uh, earlier. I, I even wish I knew that now. Uh, I will get to a French-English dictionary and figure this one out, but I thank you. I'm sure it was a, a, a bidding of, of good wishes and tidings. All right, well, Peter, you rest up and let us know how it all goes. Absolutely, and a word to the warning. If you're not a bird, do not play with birds. Thanks, Peter. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We leave you today with the sounds of Caitlin Howden speaking French in slow motion. A la prochaine. Yeah, what she said. See you next time, everybody. Salut!
Road Trip Radio has been made possible by the Government of Canada and is produced by Kelly and Kelly Creative and Sumo Audio. Research by Matt Masters, Janice Tufford, and Leslie Johnson. With contributions by Dave Shumka, Brian Short, Paul Tedeschini, Sophia LePage, Zoe Robertson, Grant Lawrence, Jen Bohm, Naomi Sneekis, Matt Barham, Mike Balazzo, Sandy Jobin Bevins, and the Road Trip Radio Kids from Arts Umbrella in Vancouver. Yeah! Keep listening to Road Trip Radio, broadcasting 24 hours a day.